Okay, we are back to podcast, and I hope everyone has had a good day. And uh, I, yeah, a couple things I do apologize for. Um, I know I had full plans on doing in person Bible study tonight, and um, the I got on the short week and so much compacted, uh, so appointments along with. Uh, today's install just kind of condensed the day, so um, yeah, it just it worked out much better with um, my work schedule to be able to just do uh, a podcast. And also, I uh, I planned on doing the Genesis study, just going ahead and doing it by podcast. But as I I started really looking at it, I, I'd already had my notes. Um, uh, I already had my notes made up, and so I wanted to. I started going over it, um, just just in you know just in plans of um, doing the podcast tonight. And I thought, man, there, this is this is so in depth that I really didn't want to do it by podcast. And so uh, we we'll either do it on a Bible study night or an in person. Uh, or on, on Sunday morning. So we're going back to Mark, which I love. I love Mark. And uh, this is one of my favorite of all the parables. A very sobering thought in this concerning the parables, uh, or, or very sobering teaching in this particular parable. And um, <clears throat> what it is, is... Uh, it's the parable of the sower. That's what we start off. In fact, I referred to it just in just in a recent podcast. I, it was either the last one or the previous one, one before that. And it it gives us enlightenment on what goes on in in churches as well as just in sowing the gospel seed altogether. Um, we, we, you know, we live in a day and it's been said often, we live in a day where if, if you are to ask, you know, nine out of 10 people, if, if especially, especially nine out of 10 people that go to church, if they are saved, if they're a Christian, been born again, what, what have you. Uh, you, you're going to get answers nine out of ten, yes. Or if you're asked ten people, you're going to get the answer of nine that yes, I am. Um, and the Bible couldn't teach anything further from the truth, um, any more further from the truth. And I made allusion to it in teaching on Judas just briefly, and then lo and behold, our very next lesson is out of Mark chapter 4, and it goes into the parable of the sower. And as we look at the parable of the the sower, we see that one in four, one in four that actually received the seed, received the seed, actually bore fruit and was real. One in four, one in four. That's a quarter. That, that, that's if you've got 
100 people in a church, 25 people, 25 people, okay? Um, and so that that's sobering, but it's it's a very real reality that Jesus is teaching. Just because your name's on a church roll, just because you've been to church all your life, in fact, I, I, I dare say that sometimes that's a hindrance to folks because they think is they think their good moral life and the fact that they've been a member of a church their entire lives um, has them okay when the Bible teaches otherwise. So we start out in Mark chapter number 4, and this is the first of the parables. Uh, well, it's really the second one. We've had a parable in the last uh, chapter as well. But a parable is an object lesson to teach a spiritual or a moral truth. Uh, some folks have called it an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Um, but in the Bible, the word parable, it's used in several different ways. Uh, number one, it's for a pointed saying or a proverb. That's Matthew fifteen fifteen, Mark three twenty three, and Luke four twenty three, uh, for a figure or a type, according to Hebrews six nine, and a comparison, as it is here in our story. Okay, so uh, our most of our lesson uh, t- tonight will be on this parable. Um, in fact, we may get to the parable of the burning lamp. Um, We'll just see. Let's jump right into it, and we'll we'll get into it. And he began to teach by the seaside. So you'll find that often Jesus did this. He he taught uh, his lesson, taught his message uh, by the sea. He he would work outside. He would teach and preach outside. And so uh, that's what he's doing here. He's teaching by the seaside, and. Uh, the Bible says, as he talked by the seaside, there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship, and he sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. So he's teaching by the seaside, um, teaching a multitude by the sea, and he taught them many things by parables, and he said unto them in his doctrine, hearken. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. So he says, listen. Now, I find this fascinating. This is one of the first, not the first, but one of the first parables that we read in Mark. And this is the subject matter. The, the, the seed, the sower, salvation, fruit. Um, it, it's a fascinating situation, really. Uh, it's fascinating just, just to watch Jesus's boldness. I here's what I like about it, and in in the I, I I try to pattern myself in the same regard. Jesus is never concerned with building a crowd. He's concerned with building and making genuine, real disciples. Our and it's all it's been this way for a long time that a church's success has uh, in our day been been determined by the crowd that's there. 
how many people are coming, how many people are attending. Folks, I'm sorry that Jesus had 12 out of the multitudes. 12. 12. And a church's size is never determined or is, is determined upon success or success is never determined upon the size of the church, the size of the congregation. Okay? Ever. Not never in the Bible. Our, our success is determined upon our faithfulness to teach the Word of God and to glorify and to worship God and to get the gospel out. That and, and to learn, to learn the Bible. That's the success of a church. So Jesus is teaching here a multitude. So as he is, he looks out at this great number of people. A multitude is a an, an astonishingly large number of people. And he, as he looks at this large number of people, he teaches what would be one of the toughest sermons and messages that you could possibly teach and, and show a large group of people. Now let's look at this together. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, that some by, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And and so I'm gonna I'm what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna read this and go into explaining it in a minute. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. Um, but when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked it, and it yielded no fruit, and other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up, increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. And he saith unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Okay. Verse 10, And when he was alone, they that were about with him, the twelve asked of him the parable. So here, here's the deal. He teaches this. Let's go back and look at these verses. He teaches them that one in four bring forth fruit. As he does, he teaches that to the multitudes. As he teaches that, this concerns the disciples. The disciples are uh, a little bit perplexed, a little bit concerned, a little bit alarmed by this teaching. They don't understand it. They uh, they don't quite get it. They they want to know more about it. They want some explanation from Jesus on the matter. And so they they get him alone. They get him to the side. Verse ten. And when he was alone, they that were with him, with the twelve, asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without all these things are done in parables. So he he's saying this basically to, to show forth a mystery, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing that they may hear and not understand, 
lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Now, here, here's the beauty of this. I've heard preachers, and I've heard teachers, and I've heard ignorant Bible talkers, I won't call them teachers, uh, say that he, he taught in parables to make it easier to understand. Well, actually, the opposite is true. Go back and look. They wanted to know about this parable, why he taught in such a manner, and look at what Jesus says. Verse 11, He said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. What do you mean? He, he, it's almost as if he's saying, I don't want them to be saved. No. He's, he is making an effort to expose the religious people's false professions. He's making an effort to expose religion without really following God. Okay, and that's one thing about Bible truth. It will expose who's real and who's just religious. Teaching and preaching the Bible will expose those that really love God, really love the Word of God, really want to know more of the Scriptures, and those that just want a religious show and in their effort to go to heaven. Verse 13, And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? So he goes on to explain it. The sower soweth the word. So right there we find that the seed is the word of God. Now let me say that. The seed is the word of God. We are just sowers. Teachers are just sowers. Preachers are just sowers. People that witness are just sowers. People that talk about the word of God and being saved, we're just sowers. We're not the seed. The seed is the Bible. The seed is not a song. The seed is not a church. The seed is not a preacher. The seed is not your mom. The seed is not your dad. Some of these things may be the sowers, but they're not the seeds. The seed is the Word of God. If you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved by the Word of God. The Word of God will be the seed planted in you. And there, they, these are they by the wayside, where the Word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the Word that was sown in their hearts. These are those that they hear it, and the Word of God never really gets a chance to take root. Satan... Uh, paint something in their mind. Maybe I hate that preacher. Maybe I hate that church. Maybe I hate God. Maybe I hate the Bible. A multitude of ways um, that, that we see this happen. But for whatever explanation of it, whatever method that it is, when the seed is getting sown, Satan takes the seed up from the heart of the person before it can ever take root. So he, he snatches the seed from the individual's heart. 
So that's that's the first method. Then verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness. This is that person that comes to the church or you're out visiting or they're at a, a bad time in their life. They're having a difficult time and you pray with them and they say they want to be saved and, and all of these things. And and the seed gets sown and they receive it with gladness. They're glad to receive it. They're glad to hear it. They're glad for it to to be exposed to them or them exposed to it. But watch. And they have no root in themselves. So there's no root in themselves. These are unstable people. These are the people they're going to quote unquote try Christianity for a little while. Let's try this church thing for a little while. These are the people that they receive it at first good. This is that group that come that that seems like they've run well for a while, but then they quit. They just quit. They just up and quit. You don't see them anymore. You don't hear of them anymore. Never hear of them serving God again. Have no root in themselves, and so endure. But for a time, afterward, where the infliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. This is those that get offended. Something offended them. That's why I've, I've been told before I took offense to that. I took offense to the, that message. I took offense to There you go. That's them. Not saved. Might have been baptized. Might have been in the church. Might have been a good person. Not saved. They got offended. I'm, I'm giving you Bible. Look. They say they were immediately they are offended. Okay? So the, the seed got sown. For a while they liked it. For a while they enjoyed it. For a while it was a blessing. For a while they appreciated it. But at some point they got offended. They were gone. Okay? Verse number 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So that's the ones that hear it, they like it, sounds good to them, run good for a while, but they've got too much of the world there they enjoy. They've got too much of the things of this life that they enjoy. And things things are good as long as things don't have you. And that's this person. Just enjoy too much of everything else before God. And they're gone. Nothing. Becometh unfruitful. But watch verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Now, if you will take note of verse number 20. This is seed that is sown on good ground, prepared soil. Now, when you prepare soil, the word, you, you, you break it up, you turn it over, you plow it. 
right? You make it softer. Do you remember Sunday when I said the Word of God was a hammer? Well, there's also a, a verse, I believe it is in Amos, where God says to break up the fallow ground. The Word of God breaks up the fallow ground. In other words, that's the Spirit and the Word of God go into a heart and begin to soften it, to make it easier, to make it more pliable, to make it easier to work, to make it easier to penetrate, to make it easier for the seed to bury in the soil. Okay? And when that soil is ready, and the seed gets dropped in, then it begins to germinate, and it begins to bring forth life. And then once life is formed in it, it begins to bear fruit. And if you look, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. I will give you that. Everyone bears a different amount of fruit. But the Bible says, by their fruits ye shall know them. John told that religious crowd when they wanted to be baptized of him, he said, bring me therefore fruit meat for repentance. If you are saved, you will bear the fruit of a saved person. The love, the joy, the long-suffering, the peace. What do we get the idea of fruit at? The fruit is listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I know what people say. Oh, I know they're saved. They're, they, and I'm, I'm giving you a Bible. I'm not making this up. This is the Bible. When someone gets it, when the dirt is broken up, when the heart is broken up, when the fallow ground is broken up, when the Spirit and the Word of God have come together to plow up that hard heart and that stony ground, verse 20, the Bible says they've heard the Word, they receive it, and they bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some in 100. Okay? The term fruit is used. I'll show you fruit of a saved person. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the, look, capital S-P-I-R-I-T, fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. There's your fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of salvation. That's the fruit that is proof to you, to anyone else, to Jesus, that you are legitimately saved. You know what? You can go to church. You can be baptized. You, you can do all of the good works and not possess that. And if you don't have that, you're not a child of God. You might be a church member. You might be a religious person, a choir leader. And that's why I'm telling you, and I've said it since many of I've said it in my entire ministry long before 
Anybody that's listening to this had ever heard me teach or preach, I've been saying it for 30 years and even before, as long as I've been teaching the Bible. That's why churches, we know, are full many times of folks that are unregenerate, unborn again, because they think that is what brings them salvation, just being there, just being a part of the church being on the softball team, being in the choir, being being over some some committee or something. And folks, that has nothing to do with salvation. You want fruit of the Spirit and proof of salvation, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 are proof of being saved, proof of the seed taking root and manifesting life inside of you. That, that's what the scripture is teaching. Now, having said all of that, Jesus, within its context, is teaching, ladies and gentlemen, that if you look at, at, at those that hear the word, one in four people bear that kind of fruit. And it could be a variety of reasons that they, that they are not really true. They're not really real. They're not really legitimate. It'll be a result of many things. Three out of four we've already seen. Number one, the devil comes and takes it. Number two, the riches and the cares of this world. Number three, it goes on hard ground. Hearts too hard by religion. Religion will do nothing but harden your heart. Religion doesn't make your heart softer. It makes your heart harder to the word of God. And so that's the that's the, the primary parable that Jesus is teaching as he goes into teaching on the parables. And he taught it to the masses. He taught it to a large group to let them know that there's more than just assembling here and hearing me teach. You've got to let the Word of God penetrate your heart and change you from the inside out. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the fruits of salvation. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's podcast and we will be back on Sunday morning. Looking forward to Sunday morning services and uh, I love and appreciate each one of you and uh, I'll be praying for you this week and do please be praying for me. Good night.